What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre coming to you live, no longer from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. We are at home to start off the new year. Hope everybody had a great holiday break. We've missed you guys uh, after a couple weeks off, but we're ready to kick things off. A lot of things, obviously, to get into. Uh, Nick, how was your break, man? Uh, well, we missed the podcast because I had some bubonic plague. I had 105 fever. Uh, my body was like a melting pot, just stewing my organs away. Uh, we've made it. Uh, then I got that same bubonic plague back. Missed the Las Vegas trip. Uh, only my third, only my third missed game in ten years. While Zach made the full schedule, Road <laughs> Warrior Zach this year. Um, but got some first time, time to go since home. 2016, baby. Got some time to go home. Spent it with family. Saw mom, dad. Um, ton of wedding planning. That's I think that's my life until June uh, when uh, when the wedding goes down. But yeah, ton of wedding planning for me. Uh, but it was good to get home. Um, I would like to declare the state of Florida closed after driving uh, <laughs> on Turnpike down to South Florida. Um, it's a great state. I understand why y'all want to move here, uh, but we are at max capacity. Uh, no, no, no more residents. Uh, the state of Florida is closed. Thank you for your interest. Uh, we'll take. We'll be taking no further commitments now. Yeah, uh, obviously, hope Florida gets some more further commitments. Uh, uh, well, but not the state, the university, sure, uh, <laughs> sure, but but the state, no more people, please. Yeah, that was a that was a brutal drive, man. Um, I think all the beat writers at some point or another had a little bit of a hiccup during their uh, travel to Las Vegas, um, including you. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was it was not a it was not a good trip for the Gators. Uh, you know, and obviously it was cool, I think, for everybody on the beat. That was like our reward for covering a six and six season uh, was getting to end it in Sin City. So my first time there, that, that was cool. Obviously, being able to come home and, and, and spend the holidays with the family, uh, ring in the new year and uh, obviously kind of turn the page on uh, the 2022 season. Obviously, basketball is officially started now with SEC play. So. We've got a lot to get into in terms of reviewing 2022, looking ahead to 2023. Um, I definitely, before we kind of get into this thing, uh, have a couple of people we want to thank. Definitely uh, Spurs, Gridiron Grill, and Freddie, and Evan, and Tammy, and everybody that's hosted us for kind of our first year kicking off this podcast. Uh, you know, we'll have a different format for 2023. We'll be coming to you guys like this. We'll still do some pop-up shows here and there with some live guests at Spurrier's, but for the most part, you guys will be seeing us a lot more on here and also some additional videos in addition to the podcast. Um, which which and means for Zach's going to have to update that studio, Zach. Yeah, no, This next time you guys see me, the, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have some of these uh, some of these bad boys hung up. You know? Yeah, that's an expensive piece of paper. Hang that <laughs> bad boy up. We got to get some uh, some things going, but um, uh oh, and it just cracked and shattered. No, I'm just <laughs> um, but but I do want to also send a, a, a thank you to everybody that's listened to this podcast for the first year. As uh, uh, not only Nick and I got this off the ground, but with Corey Bender and, and Pat and Corporate Don, you know, building Gators on, online from the start. You know, we hit our uh, year anniversary during the holiday break, and you know, everyone that's subscribe that's read that's interacted that shared our work uh you know we really appreciate everybody that, that's kind of been along with us on this first year journey a lot of exciting stuff coming for 2023 and a lot of new content that we're going to be bringing you guys on the youtube channel and, and certainly on gatorsonline.com so uh appreciate everyone for your readership and your viewing and uh we're on to 2023 nick new year new me um <laughs> Shoot, started the year with COVID, ended the year with whatever that dang flu was. Uh, you got like the flu twice in like a three-week period. Yeah, it was, uh, well, what happened was uh, my immune system was probably compromised, and I went to a wedding. Uh, at a after Nashville. After a celebration like that, 
uh, don't think my immune system was ready for for all the alcohol that that was had uh, at the wedding. So I think we just trashed <laughs> trashed the immune system, uh, and my body was like, "Hey, time to slow down." So so we definitely we definitely slowed down. Uh, but I've had a bunch of dog surgeries this year or last year, so we're looking for a happy and healthy. 2023 is what the Delatory household is looking forward to. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, the Florida football household is is going through a lot of changes, uh, a, a lot of uh, turnover, should we stay. Uh, nothing really so far with the staff, but uh, certainly a lot with the roster. And, and I think, Nick, you remember Billy made the comment several times during his first year about how after every year you have about 30% attrition in your organization. Uh, Florida's a little bit higher than that <laughs> after this inaugural year. Uh, not as bad as Texas A&M. Hey, but you're second, you're second place in the country in something. Hold on to that. <laughs> it's, it's not as alarming as it is in College Station, but the Gators have obviously lost a lot of transfers. I think some of those were certainly to be expected and, and not a surprise. Um, but after the bowl game, when we got back from Vegas, the Gators have lost some actual starters and guys like Michael Tarquin, Travez Johnson, Ethan White, who earned all SCC honors this past season. So those are some more um, notable hits that you've taken now in the portal. And uh, the Gators have had what is what is the number now on our you know roster tracker? I think it's 35, 35 total roster departures through December 31st. Um, so 35 of your 85, that is, that is a lot. Uh, you're talking about, you know, 22 outgoing transfers, three guys that were dismissed, four super seniors, and then six guys that have declared for the NFL draft for shot Torrance being the most recent. Now the Gators have also landed uh, four transfers from the portal to go along with their 21 early signees. So uh, they're going to need it because, they're, they're now, I think, with Torrance, they've lost 13 starters, 13 of the 22 starters. Um, and as Zach Goodall put it, uh, pointed out on, on Twitter, uh, hat tip to him, if you go back to Florida's week one depth chart, they've lost the, the 64 scholarship players that were on their week one depth chart to start the season. Um, they've lost 44% of that. Uh, I think it's like 28 guys. So, well, it, I mean, it's, it's, it is a real roster rebuild that we're about to see happen here in Gainesville. Two two schools of thought here. Uh, one being, if your team was six and six and six lost and to Van- and, and six and seven and lost, count Vanderbilt. the bowl game, Nick, and, and lost to Vanderbilt. Do you want all those guys back? Uh, other school of thought is, how many freshmen do you have to play next year? Uh, and are you six and seven again? Uh, are you five and seven? Uh, you know, uh, with, with that much roster toner, turnover, and and a lot of these guys, Zach, I, I know that there was like a the sky is falling. What the hell is happening in, in Gator country uh, under Billy Napier? Um, a lot of these guys that transferred out were guys that we probably, you and I had like spidey senses for in spring football as guys who would transfer out. Sure. Um, Cause you see that all the time with new coaching staffs and it's like, okay, well I'll give it till the spring and we'll see it. Ah, I, I tried it out. This offense isn't for me. This defense isn't for me. I don't gel with the coaches or my position coach. Um, I'm gonna, I gave it a shot. I'm going to head out. Uh, and I think a lot of what you're seeing is guys that were talked into staying last spring. Because uh, if you had this kind of attrition after spring <laughs> camp last year, my goodness, the team would have been uh, a disaster. Uh, so I, I think other than, let's see, uh, Trevez Johnson, who I think wanted to play safety and, and was Flores nickel. I think Don McMillan, who's a guy who was asked to play linebacker, um, which I don't think makes sense. One for Florida because he doesn't help you there next year. He needs to put on weight. He's never played the position before. and doesn't make sense for himself because uh, he doesn't want to play that position. Um, <laughs> other than McMillan, and now the safety room looks crazy without him there because you don't have really any depth. Um, but other than McMillan and maybe Ethan White, Michael Tarquin, um, but Tarquin, I'm guessing, was not happy with his role once sure. Austin Barber came in, and, and now you've got a rotation. Um other than those three guys, I, no disrespect to any of the players, but I look at it and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, it's not like you're losing huge contributors or guys who I would project to be huge contributors 
next year. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why they're leaving and looking for greener pastures and better opportunities. And honestly, for most of these situations, this is what the transfer portal was created for. Um, and that's also gives these programs the opportunity to add from it. And we see coming up with this weekend, Nick, that uh, this staff is about to get busy in the portal. Uh, Katie Turner kind of alluded to it in her interview that she did on signing day that they kind of flipped the script now with 20 class of 2023 guys signed and 18 of them coming to campus enrolling early. So you really now focus January on transfer portal before it closes on the 18th and then host junior days and, and kind of shift the focus to the 2024 class. But there's kind of a unique uh, window that's happening for the first time ever in recruiting uh, where uh, college football recruiting, at least that you can have official visitors who are transfers this first week here in January, which is typically and is currently a dead period uh, with the exemption being these transfers. So Florida's already, you know, landed some guys and they haven't even gotten to, I think, the thick of it yet. Um, so for, you know, fans that have been following this and, and, and want to know how the Gators are going to respond this weekend and what's coming up is going to go a, a long way in determining kind of how they fill those holes. But They've already addressed some major needs, Nick, uh, with getting a pair of defensive linemen, certainly getting a quarterback. And you look at what's left here on the roster, you lost 13 starters. Um, outside of the quarterback, Nick, and you kind of ran through these guys uh, on, on Twitter, uh, outside of Anthony Richardson, what starter do you feel like is going to be the hardest for Florida to replace? You're losing. Osiris. You're, 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 should, you're, should, we do, should we do other than Osiris? Oh, other than the all, the consensus All-American. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah you, gave me, you gave me a real nice out there, Zach. I shouldn't have said anything. Well, you see both of those guys already uh, getting projected as first-round picks. So outside of those two guys, uh, who would you say is going to be probably their hardest guy to replace? And is it going to maybe have to be through the portal? Yeah, um, I'll go with with Ventrell Miller. Um, it, it wasn't a transfer portal leave, um, but just from and I, and I watched a really cool video um, about Luke Keekley, who's who's retired now. But it was a bunch of the guys he played with and a bunch of the guys he played against. And and they interviewed Jameis Winston, who uh, was in his division. He goes, Jameis Winston said, Luke calls out sixty percent of our plays before we run them. Like he knows what the play we're running is based on the formation. Um, and he's telling the 10 guys he's on the field with what our play is. Um, and he, and Jameis goes, you can't check out of it because he knows all of our checks. Um, that's kind of what Ventro Miller was to Flores defense. Um, Ventro Miller was the defense's Wi-Fi, And you saw what happened when you tried to run a defense without Wi-Fi against USF. It was almost <laughs> a disaster uh, in Gainesville. Yeah. So, replacing him you have a veteran in age not in experience in in Derek Wingo um, but now he's now he's dealing with an injury he, multiple injuries he's had a shoulder surgery he'll have to have foot surgery later um I would have asked my doctor like hey man uh, let's do this two for one combo uh I'm not a doctor so I don't even know if that's possible but I'd be like listen I don't need to go under under the knife twice let's do do do, do, them, do them together yeah. put me in a wheelchair <laughs> for my foot and uh and a sling for my shoulder. That's you think it's smart. Um, I, I, listen, I don't even know if that's a, a thing that could happen, uh, but I would have asked. <laughs> well, and, and obviously, you know, part of the reason why they're they're adding Mitchell uh, from Ohio State, uh, who's who's officially been signed and announced, but certainly going to come in there and compete for that inside linebacker spot. You're losing Amari Bernie as well. Um, look, you four offensive linemen for your five starters. I mean, that's, that's certainly going to be tough to replace. Uh, obviously Torrance is the one that stands out, but just in general, that group as a whole, that's a, that's a significant uh, loss there. Barber, obviously you anticipate to step in, but th there's definitely going to be some battles to be won and determined, I think in the spring and the fall. Um, but I got four tackles right now. So like you need, you need transfer portal tackle help yesterday. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you know, 
depending on what Ricky Pearsall does, who's been invited to the NFL Combine, uh, you know, he 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 might fall in this category of one of the toughest to replace. Uh, you would lose him and Justin Shorter. And let me say this real quick before I get into my guy. Um, you know, a lot has been made, obviously, about Florida's rushing offense and, you know, what kind of what they lean on and what's been their strength. But even, I think, with some of the up and downs that they had with their passing game, one, I think, impressive thing that came out of 2022, a positive takeaway, is the production that they got on deep balls in yards per catch with Pearsall and Short. Both of those guys averaged uh, – uh, Pearsall was right at 20 yards per catch and uh, Shorter was at like 19.9 or something like that. Um, both those guys ranked in the top 10 nationally in that category. So I think for Billy to have two guys um, be that productive at that position is certainly something that's promising for the future, going to help him recruit and obviously probably help with that receiver class that they just signed. So, um, But there's a lot of turnover that, that could be happening at that position because of not only what you're losing – uh, from a starter standpoint, but then you also had a couple guys leave from the portal too. Um, so, but I'm going to go with Rashad Torrance simply for the fact that he's one of two starting safeties that you're losing. And I think that he was certainly the superior one and, and, and a guy that did a lot of the navigating back there. So I think having to replace both of those guys, uh, the, the Gators are going to need some of those young safeties to step up and Maybe they even add somebody in the portal here to kind of round out this uh, 2023 signing class, which does include transfers now. Kind of a different way of how we look at signing classes. Um, yeah, but there's a tackler from from 2022 as well. Yeah, so I I, I would go Torrance. Um, another Torrance. <laughs> Both of the Torrances are going to be tough uh, to replace, and, and obviously you're um, replacing your starting quarterback, which. Uh, that is a, a a battle that's still uh still a long way from uh, being decided on, Nick. What what, yeah, what, what that, are your early thoughts of the uh, Mertz Miller Rashada room? Obviously, Max Brown as well as part of that. Yeah, I think um, I'm not high on the room. Um, I think Florida fans will gain an appreciation for Anthony Richardson that they maybe didn't have last fall. Um, and I think people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater because on Jack Miller, at least, you know, get like getting off of any Jack Miller hype or Jack Miller train wagon um, just because they watched him play poorly in a glorified practice in the orange and blue game that he had like and, what, six practices to get ready for. Yeah. Um, and then play poorly in an offense that was built upon Anthony Richardson and him being able to run without Jordan, uh, Justin Shorter, without his best offensive lineman. Um, and, and frankly, maybe Florida's offensive line wasn't as good as we thought. I thought they were great, but maybe Anthony Richardson's running ability aided them. Anthony Richardson's running ability certainly aided the running game because if you're trying to stop Florida's running attack, you have to account for the quarterback. Now you're playing 11 hats on 11 hats. Um, so it creates lanes and, and, and running ability. I still think the world of um, Florida's running backs, Montreal Johnson and, and Trevor Etienne. Um, but I think a lot was glossed over or, or not talked about enough how much Anthony Richardson's dual threat ability helped Florida's offense uh, every yeah. Saturday. Um, I think even Florida with his fans, mobility in the pocket, you know, I mean, yeah. some of the, the, the times that he moved around and made plays just in there in the pocket. Yeah, so I think it's uh, – I think Florida fans are going to miss Anthony Richardson next year. And I, I don't know a lot about Mertz uh, going through his PFF grades, uh, which I know some people have different thoughts on. Uh, just seems like a very average quarterback. You're obviously not going to be asked to do a ton in, in you know, uh, Chris's offense at Wisconsin. Um, I saw an awesome highlight tape on Twitter. can't remember who it was. Shout out to them. Uh, it was just like a two minute, two minutes of, of Mertz handing off. Um, but uh, that's how they run the offense in Wisconsin. Um, I don't think Jaden Rashada will truly be a contender to start game one in Salt Lake City against Utah. Um, 
it's I think when you look at him and, and Corey Bender was down in Orlando and got a great look at him all week long. Yep. He looked he looks great. Um, at the end of the day, he's still like 175, 185 pounds. Like he needs to put weight on, um, needs to fill out his frame. He's young. He has plenty of time to do that. Um, if Jaden Rashada wins the job, more power to him. Like, it's not like yeah. he's coming in and I'm putting him on a shelf until 2024. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, I think you've got a guy who has started 39 games in the big 10, um, and a guy in Jack Miller, who's been in the system for a year already. Um, that those two older guys will be truly competing for the first job. Uh, and then Jane Rashad is going to be competing for that third spot. Um, and, and can he win out? Will he, or can he, I think, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, will he, I, I just think that there's, there's the cards are kind of stacked against you yeah. uh, when you're, when you're a freshman quarterback coming into a room that has a guy who's already been there and a guy who's you know, his next start will be his 40th collegiate start. And on that note, like Florida fans, as as much as they maybe would have been hoping for a bigger name from the portal or just want to see Jaden Rashada, like prepare yourself for Mertz to make that start in the season opener. Because right now, that's the most likely scenario. Like is, is if as he comes in and, and gets this offense down in the spring and is able to be uh, at least equal to Miller – Going on the road in that type of environment at Utah for a season opener to start off the season, uh, I mean, that was the first career start for Miller um, in that in that bowl game. And, and not only just start, but just action, really, uh, of any significance. So he hasn't been on a road environment um, and had to prepare and, and, and deal with crowd noise. And I'm not saying that he can, and, and let but me you have a guy it. that has. Let me keep it uh, one full bean with you here, Zach. The Las Vegas Bowl was two teams with very different attitudes towards that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Oregon State had the opportunity to win its 10th game of the year, something I think they've only done like three times in the last 30 years. Um, they didn't have anyone leave. The, I think they had one guy leave in the transfer portal. Um, they, they brought their full team to Las Vegas. I think Florida – had a bunch of kids who were like young men, sorry, uh, who were like, hey, Las Vegas sounds cool. What's the date? December 17th. I can get home for Christmas. I can go to Las Vegas and get home for Christmas. <laughs> Sign me up. And and then even with that, you still had a bunch of guys being like six and six. Thanks. No, thanks. Peace out. Got to do his yeah. best for me. Uh, so not only was it his first, everything you just said about Jack Miller, you're playing a team that's really hungry to win its 10th game uh, versus you know, the guys in your locker room that are happy to be in Las Vegas and home for Christmas. But uh, as we kind of close the book on, on 22, Nick, because I know fans want to really hear about the future and what's coming. Um, just what is your overall takeaway from Napier's first season now that you've had the holidays to kind of reflect on it? Um, I think uh, I think you got talked into a, you were on an eight and four prediction, which is where I was I, at. I was out. I, I thought seven and five, eight and four ceiling. Um, and if you don't lose to Vanderbilt, you're seven and five, or you end up seven and six, but or maybe yeah. big, different bowl game. Who knows? Um, no Vegas trip. I think the year. The the team I think beating Utah I didn't expect I didn't expect losing to Kentucky. Um, the year went kind of like they lost the games I thought they would lose. Uh, you know preseason obviously my week to week picks were trash. Um, but preseason lost the games I thought they were going to lose. Won the games I thought they were going to win. Uh, minus Utah Kentucky um, and Vandy. But, but that Vanderbilt game. You didn't expect without, that, though. Without, no, 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 no. Without, without losing to Vanderbilt, the entire perception of the season is 110% different. Um, if the 2022 season was a hike, you go on a hike and it starts great. Boom, you beat Utah. Then, like, it starts raining and now the trail's muddy. Um, and that's Kentucky, South, uh, South Florida, Tennessee. Now, now the hike is tough. Now we're dealing with, with mud on the trail. This is adversity is hit. Adversity is hit. You make it through. You finish at the top. You're turning back around. You get back to the parking lot. You're like, damn, that was tough. 
but we did it. And then you get to your car and there's a skunk sitting right in front of the door and it sprays you. Now you're in the car on the way home and you smell terrible <laughs> and you can't get rid of it. That skunk was the Vanderbilt loss. Like that, 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 that Vanderbilt loss until Billy Napier wins a national championship like Nick Saban did. That's his ULM from Nick Saban's first year. That stench of losing to ULM stuck with Saban until he was holding up trophies. So like that Vandy loss will stick with Billy Napier until he's holding and, up a trophy. And, and, and in your opinion, Florida's worst game of the season outweighs and has a longer lasting impact um, than their best game of the season. Yep. Because it's Vandy. Like you, you folks, you folks, folks aren't going to take away from this season and remember the Utah win first, their first thought you think will be Vandy. Lost to Vandy for the first time since World War II in, yeah. in Nashville. And it didn't help that the, the, the Utah win was the first game of the season. Had it been the last game of the season, then maybe uh, that's the Utah win almost served. It's an aberration. It served the team more negatively. It served Billy more negatively than positively. Like, if you lose that game close, people are like, all right, Dan left a mess, and, and it was too much of a mess to beat, you know, the defending Pac-12 champion, but Billy's got this. Instead, it was, okay, which NFC team are we replacing in the East next year? Because uh, we are clearly <laughs> an NFL program. Uh, we're better than everyone in, the, in college football. Like, it's just that I, I almost liken it to, like, Jim McElwain winning the East, a bad East, twice mm -hmm. in his first two years. And everyone's like, touchdown Jesus has come to save us. Um, and, and, and it was fool's gold. Um, or Dan Mullen starting off his career. After Dan's first two years, we're all writing stories like, man, this is the best start right after Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Florida football is back, baby. And then you realize, well, when you recruit ninth or 19th, 12th, 20th every year, not sustainable. Um, so like winning Utah was almost like, no, 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 no. The last two guys won too early, too soon. Like you're, you're preaching patience. You're preaching, laying a foundation, beating Utah in week one is not going to make people patient. <laughs> they think they think yeah. the winning is now. Um, honestly, you take any win that you want and, and I'm pumped. You and I are both pumped to go out to Salt Lake next year. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think the from the, Vegas to Salt Lake. Let's go, bro. My yeah, yeah. West Coast Albuquerque, West Coast Zype. Um, but I think I think the expectations of the fan base in general just really really rose um, after that Utah win to an area where I didn't think that Florida, you know, could could match. Um, or was or was that? People were all up in my mentions. Yeah, you said seven and five. How about these? I'm like, all right. Hey, I ate my crow. I came and I ate my crow all week on our podcast. I ate the crow. Uh, I sat there. I tweeted a picture of a crow on a very nice, fine china plate. Um, and I ate crow all, all year. Uh, and then the season went how I thought it was and how I predicted. Uh, last thing, and then we'll jump to this break, and then we'll shift to recruiting get into some hoops and baseball talk uh, in, in the last segment. But um, lastly, to kind of put a bow on this, how do you feel like this six and seven season is different or the same as last year's six and seven season? And are the programs in different places moving forward? Um, in terms of optimism or concern? Um, well, um, I think the... Because I've got some interesting opinions on this. Okay, so my opinion has uh, the the room-by-room -room breakdown, but by the way, I'll have special teams and cornerbacks on Friday, uh, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, the idea was for me when I started the series was, all right, let me see what Florida has. And, and it's going to start to develop my opinion on the team. Um, and right now, as the roster stands, I think Florida might be in for another six and six, potentially five and seven season. Like this roster, I think the recruiting class hit a ton of needs, especially at defensive line um, and at your skill positions, your defensive back class and your receiver class, I think are top notch. Um, there are massive, massive gaping holes 
all throughout the roster. Um, you only have three running backs. If Montreal Johnson goes down, you're screwed. But how do you pitch to a transfer portal running back? Hey, come and uh, sit behind the two guys who almost ran for 1,000 yards last year. You're not going to get an elite transfer portal running back. Those guys want to go somewhere and, and, and play right away. So now you're at the, I think you got to find an unsigned high school running back to, to fill out that room. Um, it, it's tough playing in the SEC, and you're a twisted ankle away from being in a really bad spot at running back, even though that's one of your most talented rooms on the roster. You have four tackles. That's terrible. You have no star, or I guess you have uh, Kai, um, Kamari Wilson has two starts, but you have very little experience at safety. Um, you have no starts. One start returning with Derek Wingo at linebacker. Like there are some massive holes left on this roster that have to be addressed. And, and we'll get into it after the break. Uh, Florida's using this this weekend uh, to host a lot of those transfer portal guys. But I think you need a receiver. You need a couple tackles. You need a linebacker. You need a safety. Like you need a running back. Like the list goes on. Like Florida's roster is not ready. Good thing the game isn't until next September because the roster is not ready to play football right now. See, you keep talking about the roster, and that to me is a big thing. So I feel like in comparing the two six and seven seasons, which I know maybe people don't care to do, but like to me, the six and seven season with Dan, or six and six, I guess, should we say, like they got, they just laid down in several games. They were not competitive. It was clearly a bad culture in a lost locker room. And it felt that way. And it was clearly like wasn't going to get better, which is why they moved on from Dan. Um, and, and the way that the season went with the blowout loss to South Carolina and the way that they just got beat in, in uh, their other games, I, 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 to me, that season was worse. Even though this past season was probably just as brutal for Florida fans to watch, at least there were some highlights, and at least the Gators were competitive in every single game, save for the bowl game where they were just completely undermanned. But, like, the fact that we – and we wrote about a lot, Billy talked about a lot, that there was no quit in this team. Um, I think that was an improvement and something that was different, I guess, from last year's 6-17. and 17. If we're looking for positives. But let me say this, though. I think that despite how they finished in 2021, Nick, and what happened, I think there was still a level of optimism or, hey, things could get better for a few reasons. One, there was a coaching change. Two, Anthony Richardson was going to be the starting quarterback, and fans knew that. And then three, and I think most importantly, college football fans had not yet seen, at this time last year, they had not yet seen what the what NIL and what Transfer Portal was going to do to the sport and how it was going to cause rosters to get raided and recruiting to just go nuts um, at the high school level and at the Transfer Portal level. So... Fast forward to now, there's not a coaching change. There's not, um, you know, a starting quarterback that you know and you're excited about going into next year. And third, you have all this NIL and transfer portal mess. So there's not as much, I guess, reason for optimism coming off of this year as there was coming off of the sixth and seventh year. And that, you know, is going to have a, a lot of people – with uncertainty heading into this off season, heading into the spring. But keep in mind, as we jump to this break, that they're not done adding in the portal. They're not done in the January period. And they're not done in the spring period. When more, when the w window opens again from May 1st to May 15th, and a bunch of guys are going to hit it that didn't like how their spring football went. So um, maybe we're going to, feel different about the roster in a few months. But right now, as Nick mentioned with his breakdown, it's not looking promising. And I think that's what's different about going into uh, next year as opposed to the last one. Last year was just a big party. They like 
Dan fire Todd, party. Dan <laughs> fire John Hennessy, party. Scott fired Dan, fiesta. <laughs> so last year, that's, even even during it, that's it a was, great it was point. A, it was a week by week party as people that fans wanted to see go were let go. Yeah. Um, this year that's, it was that, kind that, of just like a, a great... kick in the teeth, a kick in the teeth, a step on your t- on your big toe, uh, and then you go and you get blown out in, in the Las Vegas Bowl, and it's like, oh, cool, the team didn't care, which is why part of the reason why the last guy was fired. But is that fair to say that they didn't care in the bowl game? I don't know. I, okay. I, I think I, I think it's more of they didn't have the dudes. Like they they literally had. You sure, their, didn't have the dudes. Like I. I I don't think because because to me the last team didn't care all season long. Yes, this team cared the first yes. twelve games. They cared. Like I, I, I don't think I mean, that's it, fair to say. But at the end of the day, you still finish six and seven. You are what your yeah. record is, and you don't know who your starting quarterback is going into two thousand twenty-three. There's I don't think expect any coaching changes. Maybe there'll be some coaching additions, which we can get into. Um, and you still got to go through this portal purge, yeah, and um, and and make sure everything is all on the up and up with NIL for next year, <laughs> you know. So it's just uh, it's a every lot. year, every year we're talking yeah. tens of millions of dollars just to keep your roster intact. I'm not even talking about adding to the roster, no. Not not even hey. talking about trying to get guys in the spring like a Ricky Pearsall again. Um, so there's a lot to unpack, a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to jump to this break. When we come back on the other side, we'll kind of wrap up recruiting, mention where things are at with the official visits this weekend, and then we'll jump around to some other UF sports. You're listening to the Gators Online Podcast. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out rogueshop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress rogue shop sells cbd thc edibles smokables and vapes as well as handcrafted bath salts soaps candles massage oils pain creams and topicals rogue shop is a true small business disabled veteran owned black owned woman owned company they have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Zach and Nick here, and we're going to get into some recruiting discussion now as the Gators have signed their 2023 class for the early period. Still uh, February signing day to come, although I think Billy Napier and all coaches around the country look at that December period as now the national signing day. And I think that's reflected in uh, the amount of signees that the Gators got uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, 20 in total from the high school ranks of the class of 2023. And then they also signed or announced, should we say, uh, Tony Livingston, who was a gray shirt basically from the 21 class. And Caleb Banks, who was the first of now four transfers that the Gators have landed. So in total, you're talking about 25 players being added to the roster uh, at at where we currently stand. The only one that hasn't been announced is Cameron Jackson. Um, Now, before we get into the transfer portal targets and the visit weekend coming up, uh, I do want to have Nick and I kind of give our take on just the class that the Gators signed. Uh, Obviously, uh, this was the first full recruiting cycle for Napier and his staff, they were able to finish with a, uh, a top 10 overall class in our rankings. And I think ESPN also had them with a top 10 ranking. And uh, you look at the commitment list and there's a lot to like uh, in terms of blue chip ratio, in terms of the amount of players from the state of Florida. And even though they finished number 10 in the rankings, if you care and look at Tough. average average rating and kind of how the quality of the prospects that they signed, not so much quantity. The Gators actually ranked fifth in the on three consensus ranking in uh, average player rankings. I think uh, the only guys that are the only schools rather that they're behind, let's see, or uh, uh, where was that at? 
uh, yeah, they're only behind Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas um, with an average rating of 91.55. So that's number uh, five nationally. So looking at it from that perspective, um, looking at it from the perspective of signing, you know, the blue chip ratio that they did, 80% of the class, um, and then obviously having 70% of the class being from the state of Florida, that's kind of what you're looking for. Uh, really about the only thing that they don't have in here is uh, – you know, a handful of five stars. But outside of that, they they, they really hit a lot of uh, things that you want and obviously address a lot of needs as well. The blue chip ratio, you know, I saw, you know, uh, the people comparing it to it's the best sense Urban Meyer. When I look at that Urban Meyer class um, and I look at this class, I'm like, okay, uh, there might just be more four stars now than there were back then because i don't know if this class is comparing i don't know if there's a a percy harvin uh or you know brandon well, that, well, so, so that's, the, that's the 2010 class that they're comparing it to so that was oh, okay we're talking about Powell. sharif ropo yeah. um which hey man, kelby kelby collins could be in that category he looks like that dude he looked at that dude all week in, in under armor um but to me i i think i you know if you look at like the law pendulum i'm trying to weigh both things Florida hit a bunch of needs. You had to retool at receiver. I think Andy Jean, um, Eugene Wilson, and Aiden Mizell are three great players. The one that I think, especially if Ricky Pearsall declares for the NFL draft, I think Eugene Wilson's a guy that might be on starter alert because the only other guy <laughs> at that position is Ty Bowman. And nothing against Ty Bowman, but like you only have two guys at a position. It's, it's a coin flip. Um you, you have a bunch of guys, you know, Denson, Gates, uh, Castell, a bunch of dudes in, in the back end. Um, but when you look at it, you're top 10 in our on three rankings, but you're behind Georgia, you're behind Alabama, and you're behind LSU. And if you extrapolate that uh, out to 2025, you're behind Texas and Oklahoma. So you're mm. top 10 in the country and sixth in your conference. That's tough. Uh, that's just life in the SEC, though. So yeah. while this class is good and hit a bunch of knees, and I'll go even go farther, it's a very good class for Billy Napier in his first year. It's like better said, than most of the classes that Dan signed, for sure. Like you, yes, but like you said, you, you missed out on some blue chippers. You don't have not blue chippers. You missed out on those five star guys, those elite of the elite. Um, and you you're not closing the gap. So it's just year one, but. You're always going to be compared to Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Those are the teams you're chasing. And right now, you didn't gain any steps on them in that race. Ohio State. Well, uh, I'm just talking about just in, in your yeah. conference. Yeah. Just in your conference. You play Georgia every year. You play LSU every year. Uh, and, you, and if you're not playing Alabama, you're hoping to play them in December in Georgia, in Atlanta. So those are the teams that you're going to be compared to and you need to be comparing yourself to. So, yeah, you're top 10. That's dope. But you're fourth in your conference and sixth if we're talking about the two teams that are coming in as well. Yeah, and I, and I don't think Billy, uh, Katie, Jacob, everyone on that staff is uh, at all satisfied with probably what they've signed in, in terms of, you know, getting everybody that they wanted. You know, the, I'm, I'm sure they had, uh, you know, a, a quite the wish list. And – they have a lot of aspirations when it comes to recruiting. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, proud, this is proud, but never satisfied. Yeah. And this is just the first full cycle. As you mentioned, Nick, uh, it's, it's going to take three of these recruiting classes at least to really flip this roster. Um, I do think it's important though, to make sure that you really don't judge, I guess the full scope of, uh, what they've brought in for the next for for this for that year cycle that yearly cycle until we get to the end of the second portal period because at that point that's that's when you're really done adding players to the roster and and you can really get an idea of what you added from a from the high school ranks and then from the transfer portal and and they both go hand in hand even though the transfers that you land are not reflected in the rankings and maybe we get to a a year, maybe in the near future, where on three and some of the other recruiting rankings have a have that incorporated into the team rankings somehow. Uh, because once JUCO 
prospects and rankings became a thing, they had to incorporate those players into a class ranking. So it can be done. Um, and if we get to a point here where a lot of programs are maybe landing, you know, upwards of 10 transfer prospects, and if, especially if some of them are actually ranked in these portal rankings, I mean, it's a, uh, it's just one way to, to, to look at things and, and, and something to keep in mind. So um, I think that they obviously obviously still have some more needs that they address that they need to address just from a number standpoint when you see how many outgoing transfers that they have. So we said that number was at 35 and they've added 25 players so far. So they still need to get, you know, a, at least, you know, half dozen probably more guys that they want to bring in. And, and again, that, they might, may not be done with that right here January 18th when the portal window closes. They might save a few spots, obviously, for spring to see what opens up then. But coming up this weekend, you got a very important uh, official visit uh, that are happening. You have some guys that are going to be arriving before the weekend hits, some guys that will be able to stay all the way through. But uh, this, I think, January 4th through January 8th is um, – kind of a time crunch that all these uh, programs around the country are now under to try and get these transfer prospects in and uh, convince them that that they are their new home. And you really only have this week to do it. Uh, now, again, Florida's already been able to land four commitments without having this, but they're going to now have an opportunity to, to land some more. Cameron Jackson, one of the commits uh, that they've gotten, the only one that hasn't been announced as a signee so far, he's officially visiting this weekend. And, uh, you know, we know John Campbell, he's been out there reportedly as, as uh, one of the commitments that are, or excuse me, the official visits that are happening this weekend, the Miami transfer. So uh, potentially there to help uh, address a need on the offensive line and what the Gators are losing. And then you have six total uh, that we've reported at Gators online that are going to be visiting here. So, um, so I said about they need to land at least six guys and, and they got some of those targets coming to town now. Like I said, there's a <clears throat> a bunch of spots you need to fill. Linebacker, one of them, tight end. I think you, you've got seven, but maybe if there's a tight end that tickles your fancy, you, you grab them too. Offensive yeah. line, defensive line. Um, my guy Cameron, hey Ma, Jackson, um, dubbing the nickname already. <laughs> Shout out to Cameron. Um, he's a big addition. So Florida, listen, <clears throat> and, and – yeah, I got a lot of pushback on this. Um, Florida understands the importance of the portal. Imagine the guys they got in the portal not being on this team in 2022. And the pushback I got was a bunch of these guys just followed Billy. And I get that. But what was this team without Montrell Johnson, um, without Osiris Torrance, and without Ricky Pearsall? I mean, Ricky Pearsall didn't follow Billy. Uh, well, I, I included Tre Cam Trevor. I, I included Trevor Cam Waits. They landed Trevor Etienne. Yeah. Um, you know, Devin, um, but, Devin, Devin Moore didn't follow, you know, but of the guys they got from the portal last year, sure. fans were unhappy that Florida was not going after anybody in the portal, which is just a false narrative. Cause you're not getting the instant gratification of, we got to sign on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And now we've signed 87 guys out of the portal and we'll just kick guys off the team until we get down to 85. Sure. Um, so there was some pushback on, they just followed their coach. Cool. <laughs> They still landed guys in the portal. Um, they landed so they, a consensus All-American. <laughs> oh, that's all. Well, he was just following Billy. Um, the, the this staff clearly knows the importance of the portal. Uh, so uh, you've got to just be patient. And fans don't want to hear that. And, and listen, we'll, we'll as writers, we'll let you know when it's time. Hey, you, you've been patient and it's not working. <laughs> we agree with you at this point. But I think right now you've got to be patient. There were a bunch of guys who – as you saw with Cameron Jackson, who wasn't in the portal until after his bowl game. And now that the bowl games are, are, are gone, you're seeing guys um, enter the portal after their seasons have been completed. You're seeing guys at Michigan, Ohio State, um, a bunch of different schools that are now hitting the transfer portal at the, the season's end. Um, and, and listen, if, if Florida doesn't have a good transfer portal class, you're going to see it on the field. Uh, and, and we'll tell yeah. you, hey, we told you to be patient. Whether you were or you weren't, they either got it done or didn't get it done. Yeah, and, and obviously this is uh, this is kind of crunch time here because you just – I don't know how much 
even though you got to save some spots, I don't know how much you can count on getting a player of Ricky Pearsall's quality after spring football. Like that, you you got to kind of have to luck into that situation. Um, and that second transfer portal window is only 14 days. Like that's yeah. going to be a, a hectic time because like, like I said earlier in the podcast is like, we expected a lot of the guys that transferred out of Florida to, um, to transfer the spring. after the spring. Yeah. And you're going to get a bunch of guys who, Hey, I'm, I stuck it out. Let's see how the spring goes with a new, new coaching staff with, with new players coming in and early enrollees. And you might start getting guys to do a head count and go, yeah, I'm not playing here, so I need to hit the portal. And then it's a 14-day window. That's it. So, like, that 14-day window uh, in the spring is going to be wild because you're going to have a bunch of guys who did their head counts, uh, you know, looked at the depth chart, saw how reps were being divvied out at practice, and they go, this ain't my spot. I got to go find a place if I want to play. Although I will say I don't think Florida – like you said, maybe we expected it last spring and it didn't really happen. I I definitely don't think it's going to happen a lot – this spring, like I think the roster purge has happened now. Like, right? I, I meant, I meant from other places. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. But like, I think Florida's like, and maybe they will lose some guys, but this should be it. Like, but you know, I like, I think the guys that have, have wanted to leave and had their mind up, made their mind up, are, are on their way out already. So um, there may be one or two guys that that feel that way after spring ball, but I think for the majority. Like you said, Nick, they're going to be out there hunting. And there's definitely going to be some guys that pop up at programs that didn't have this roster purge after the regular season. It's not may not happen until the spring. So it's uh, it, it's different all across the country if you consider where all these different schools are at in, in terms of like new coaching staffs and, and what have you. So um, there's going to be a lot to monitor. We're going to stay on top of it at Gators Online. Corey Bender's doing a phenomenal job both on the uh, high school front and the recruiting front with uh, with the transfers and the portal. Uh, Nick and I try to help him when we can, and uh, we're, we're definitely going to be helping him here at the uh, the end of January. But uh, it's not going to be, I think, from a uh, – it's going to be weird this month because, like, you're not going to have as much action, should we say, with the current recruiting cycle, which is 2023, like – a lot of the visits that they go out and make on the road and the schools that they stop by, they're going to see 24 kids and 25 kids and 26 kids and, and start building those relationships and making those evals. So that's kind of where they've gotten themselves to in terms of working ahead and getting 20 signees uh, during the, during, during the early period. So um, and now and they outside flip the page. Of, and outside of, you know, uh, uh, Corey Bender putting in an RPM pick for Caden Jones uh, earlier this week, um, who's an offensive lineman, uh, 23. Uh, I know a lot of people like the Harris twins. I don't know how much Florida is in it for them. Uh, and maybe, as I mentioned, like you got to find another running back just to fill this room out. Um, unless you find, you know, a running back or you know anything else, Florida's pretty much done recruiting high school at the 23 level, which we might need to repeat this every week, Zach. So we don't have a a February meltdown. Florida (laughs) is done for the most part, recruiting high school players. So when they get jumped and fall out of the top 10, unless you're adding, you know, unless on three is adding, um, you know, transfer portal guys into that, which I don't think we are yet. Like prepare yourself. Uh, yeah. Other teams might jump Florida because Florida's not Florida's done pretty much recruiting high school players. Now, Florida fans need to also prepare themselves, Nick, for this weekend because uh, quite the interesting matchup is happening in the O Dome. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome. I don't think <laughs> not, not Mister Carter singing. They'll be singing to him <laughs> like that. I don't think so. All business, he says, Nick. All I think it's, it might be business, but I think there's going to be the Rowdy Reptiles are going to be giving him the business on Saturday. Uh, and obviously for you folks that don't catch our drift, we were talking about Mike White making his return to Gainesville as his Georgia Bulldogs, fresh off of beating Auburn. Now come 22 to, Auburn, great win. Yeah, big. Uh, obviously a team that beat the Gators uh, in a nail-biter, and the Gators lost another nail-biter in their home opener 
for conference play against Texas A&M, third straight loss. Dropped them to 500. Uh, they rallied from an 11-point halftime deficit, actually took the lead uh, in the second half, but they uh, once again can't finish it out. And um, just not a lot of uh, momentum right now for Florida basketball. They're definitely in a funk. Um, did did a, a bit better job shooting the ball against the Aggies, but definitely had some defensive lapses after being one of the better teams defensively the past few weeks. But uh, just the dynamics of this matchup, like it, like going into this game, <laughs> like now if, you, if if Mike White comes in here and gets the win, he drops Florida to a losing record. The, re- the, Gators, the message board is locked. The Gators, are o- the Gators are 0-3 in SEC play, and Todd Golden still looking for his first conference win. Like, they did not want to be in this place heading into this matchup, but here they are, and Mike White just gets to come in with this evil grin and uh, just make the fan base suffer if he, he can get a victory. The Grinch I, I cannot smile wait. on Mike. The Grinch smile on Mike White's face if he <laughs> comes into Gainesville and gets to walk out shushing the crowd uh that got a little nasty towards the end of his uh tenure i mean that was that was that was the reason why his tenure ended yep uh one of them um so the, I'm I, the driving force yeah um and obviously mike um you know he he's found his uh his next stop i think he's uh and I think it was just good for all parties involved to kind of move on. And um, but the Gators are still struggling as a program, and uh, they're still still thick, thick, uh, excuse me, figuring things out as a new coaching staff. And uh, you know, it doesn't get any easier now once you start going through SEC play. And the Gators still haven't got any quad one wins. Um, they're getting into some must win situations here with these matchups that they have coming up, and um, just. You know, you you get to a point where you start to, um, you know, this team's got to get some confidence, and they they got to boost team morale because three straight losses, not being able to really have a signature win yet, um, just just kind of finding your way through non conference play, and then starting zero and two in the SEC. Um, there there's a lot riding on this game, and um, and then there's a lot of emotions going into it. Uh, you know, Mike White says it's going to be all business. Is Are the Gator players going to be able to have that same approach um, running down the court after every possession passing their old guy? Um, although there's a lot of transfers that the Gators have on this year's team. But um, it's – Yeah, uh, like, the, like the transfers on the team, like this was – they landed on – other than like one guy, they landed every guy they wanted in the portal. Like this is not a rebuilding year. This is your first year. But basketball, especially with the transfer mm-hmm. portal, you can you you can reshape an entire program in one offseason. You only play five dudes. There's only like twelve yeah. on the team. You can pick up five, six guys and have a whole new starting five every year from the portal. This is not a rebuilding year, um, and this is not a good start for Todd Gold. Or Todd no, Gold. And, and, and they and they and they've you know it's like if they had one thing that was holding them back every game and it was just their deficiency as a team, then you just chalk it up and say, hey, this is just their weak spot, and it's killing them, like if they couldn't rebound the ball, for instance. Mm-hmm. The problem with this team is that they've had they've had so many different ways that they've lost games in so many different areas and categories where they've just dropped the ball, literally. Um, they've had off-shooting nights. They've had poor defensive performances. They've had bad nights at the foul line. They've had uh, like the, the the last loss, twenty turnovers, season high. Um, they've just had so many ways that they've um, you know they're creative, struggled. yeah. And Give them credit. Um, you know, and they're still clearly not in sync offensively. They're they're figuring things out. Um, I don't think it helped that they had different guys that missed some time with injuries, specifically Kyle Lofton, and and trying to get him back in a rhythm, but. Um, they're just they're just not in a good place right now. And hey, saying all that, you go out there and beat Georgia on Saturday, and you get a win over your former coach, and um, you get your first win in SEC play. That might be a, a chance to get some mojo um, and to get some good juju going. So they just they need it. Um, I thought that they were going to beat the Aggies, and um, 
they came in here and had three different guys drop 17 points. And uh, did you see all the hoopla, Nick, with them uh, forgetting their jerseys at the team hotel and the game getting delayed and uh, Florida getting a uh, tech to start the uh, game and an extra one-point lead? So um, it was a weird night. You don't see that too Um, often. It's interesting because, like, how? Have you you ever seen a baseball game delayed because – one of the teams forgot their jerseys at the hotel. I don't – I've not seen that. Um, you have seen uh, – there was an instance where I think it was a regional and a team washed their red jerseys with their white home jerseys to make a pink jersey, which was unintended, um, and then couldn't wear like their white home jerseys the rest of the year and like didn't have them. So I was like, why is this team wearing this color like over and over and over again? And they're like, oh, we, we lost our whites. <laughs> we have we have no more white pants yeah. and we have no more white tops because uh, the reds and the whites washed together and they made pink. So I can't remember what team that was, um, but that's a funny story. So I, that's a that's a equipment manager mishap, not a uh, I guess they both equipment manager mishaps, but no. And I want to know how fast dude was driving from the O-Dome back to the Hilton and then Hilton back to the O-Dome. Uh, I don't know if all the the uh, rules and regulations of the road were being followed. He, he was like uh, he was like one of our friends on the beat catching a flight, Nick. She was just, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, that was uh, – you don't see stuff like that often. Um and uh, it, it was, was crazy about it, though. It gave AM an edge. And they came out and they definitely got Florida, uh, you know, kind of caught them off guard and, um, you know, kind of fi- were fired up by the whole fiasco. And I think it probably threw Florida off in terms of their readiness to kind of tip that thing. So um, who shot the tech? Uh, Richard. Well, Richard. And uh, he. You know, if you're getting one good takeaway from that game, my man finally ended his three-point shooting slump. He hadn't hit a uh, three in uh, 13 attempts in a row. Uh, hadn't had hadn't had one go down since the Stetson game. So sounds like me. He finally found his stroke uh, against the Aggies. He hit back-to-back threes that they def- obviously needed, and um, you know, Florida's just been right there uh, in a lot of these games here recently, and they just cannot get over the hump. So we'll see if they can get over the hump against the Bulldogs. Uh, God help us, Zach. <laughs> God help us if they can't beat Georgia and Mike White on Saturday. Uh, I, I think you will officially get flooded with baseball questions, Nick. Baseball season is around the corner. <laughs> The, the men's well, listen, men's swimming is dope. Uh, track and field, defending national champions. Um, Softball, we, you know. We, yeah, we need some good men's sports to uh, to make up for the deficiencies in the two revenue sports. Um, but baseball is loaded. Baseball is loaded. We got 43 days left. Uh, coverage started on Thursday. Um, talking about, I had, I had a conversation with Kevin O'Sullivan um, during the baseball offseason when the transfer portal was open for baseball. And uh, he, uh, Sully had been so, they built a program built on number one overall class, number two, top five classes. They recruit the heck out of high school. And it's weird for baseball. Like you get commitments from like sophomores in, in high school. And then yeah. there, there's no hat dance. <laughs> like unless there's a coaching change, you're 16 years old and I commit to Florida. Like I'm just, I'm gonna, I'll, you'll see me at Florida unless I get drafted. So there's no um, Cormani McLean drama, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. There's, no one's running off with the bag and and then waiting to sign and and seeing who else's bag is bigger. The only bag is the, the MLB, MLB bag, the MLB draft. And listen, that's that's a bag that a lot of kids don't say no to. No. Um, so there was a shift, and I think it happened. They were playing Georgia in Jacksonville before the 2022 season, and I remember getting the rosters for both teams. I'm like, dude, Florida's like average age is like 19 and a half. And Georgia's got some guys who like, if they shaved before the bus ride on the way down to the game, they need, they got a five o'clock shadow. Like this is an older team. And then you saw it all through the year in 2022 where they started off six and 12. And then as yeah. the team gets older, they finish SEC play nine and three. 
it's too little too late at that point. So I think it kind of opens Sully's eyes to, okay, well, we can be this great, but we're always going to be young. And teams, you, the teams that were great were always young. And you'd get a team like when Coastal Carolina made their run in 2016 and won the, and they won the College World Series, they had some older dudes, some like fourth-year seniors, fifth-year seniors, um, and, and that helped them play to their advantage. Now with the portal, you're getting guys all over the place. LSU just raided the entire country through the portal. Yeah. Um, and and you can't Kevin be O'Sullivan, that one program that's just saying, yeah, we're just nah, we're not gonna do recruiting. It. Yeah. So I think when Kevin O'Sullivan saw it, he goes, okay, someone give me the portal password because I'm going to go dominate that part of recruiting too. Uh, and, and Florida picked up some guys. I, I think also getting BT Rypel last year and, and the impact he had, not only um, with his stick and with his defense, but – the impact he had on helping the young pitchers um, as, as a catcher and being able to uh, work with them and, and keep them calm in, in situations as a veteran. Um, so I think that was huge. And that opened their eyes to, okay, we can go and get guys. And it's not, you know, just getting guys who weren't happy about playing time. You're getting guys who come in and, and BT Ride posts everything that Florida wants its program to be known for. Um, mm-hmm. You got a guy in Hurston Waldrip who will pitch on Saturday nights. He's the number, he's going to be a first round pick. So, uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, he, he found that he found the portal password, and, and there's going to be some teams that that wish uh, that wish he didn't. Yeah, it's uh, it's right around the corner, Nick. And uh, like you said, baseball's got a uh, they, they got to lift the spirits of a uh, Gator Nation uh, right they're, now. They're, they're, they got they got to hold the flag. That mouse mouse and Sully got to grab the men's sports flag and throw it on their shoulder and take off. Although I will say uh, a win over Mike White Saturday will lift everybody's spirits in Gainesville. Um, uh, until the next loss. Yeah. Um, well, listen, uh, we lost you guys for a couple weeks. We're happy to be back uh, in this new format. Next time you guys see me, I promise my wall will have some uh, additions so you're not just staring at that. And um, we're definitely looking forward to uh, kind of turning the page, seeing what happens here in the portal the next couple weeks, and then uh, as the Gators close out the 2023 cycle and start having some junior days and uh, certainly basketball cranking up with SEC play. So a lot of stuff coming to Gators online. Nick has cranked up the baseball coverage as well. So make sure you guys are tuned in. We'll see you guys next week. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Koppelberg. No one.